Well, hello there, Gary and Sharon. Welcome, Penny Van. Hello there. And Debbie with Allison. Everybody sliding in this evening. Tracy's not feeling too good, so uh, hopefully he gets feeling better. But we got a wonderful guest tonight. And of course, I got to pay his theme song here. Yes! Let's welcome Nick to the show. <laughs> What's going on, Nick? For starters, I knew you were going to play that. <laughs> I'm doing that's fun, right. I, I had to, you know, of that's, that's you his theme to. music, ladies and gentlemen. So, it's Nick, uh, introduce yourself to the world. Well, for starters, uh, it's great to be on. Thank you for having me. Of course, I know we do a lot of other shows together, but it's good to be on your show uh, tonight. So I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you in here. So uh, tell everybody who you are and what you do. And So obviously, my name is Nick Mulay. I've been a paranormal investigator now for 18 years, since I was 12 years old. I officially run uh, part of the Things of Illinois. I run the Things of Illinois chapter of the uh, Things Group itself, based in uh, New Haven, Indiana, which is ran by Jeremy York. I'm also among one of the co-founders and a very close associate of the Things Network. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place, but in addition to the Things Network, I'm also part of a number of different paranormal networks where I've done, I've appeared as a guest guess on some of the shows i've ran some shows uh including my own on some of these networks i mean i'm essentially just all over the place and yes i know that that's a trademark that happens with my green screen <laughs> if you look at previous shows that i was on you'll see that i vanish completely sometimes <laughs> it's, it's called that holy water yes it is <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so what got you into the paranormal? Well, what got me into it, you know, you hear really the same story about, you know, like how everyone got into it. Usually it's because they had an experience because they were younger. Um, for me, it, it was a different approach. Not necessarily it was because I had an experience. It was more of curiosity more than anything else. Um, for starters, at a young age, I was already, for start. I was already getting into horror movies when I was like six or seven years old. And this is, I, I always kind of consider this the early origins of how I got into it. But in the nineties growing up, and I'm still surprised my parents got to let us watch this. We used to watch the X files, which you know at that. Oh yeah. You know, at that time back in the nineties, it was still brand new. So that was kind of my, I guess, my first real exposure to the horror genre and the paranormal. Now, fast forwarding a few years later, um, I wasn't really like, believe, I, I didn't really believe in it at first. I just watched it because this was a show that used to air like close to Halloween, but it was a paranormal show. I was also exposed to the show Scariest Places on Earth, uh, which I still consider that some of the better paranormal shows than what we got now, even though some of it was fabricated too, I still find it better. But you know, that was a show I used to watch when I was uh, when I was really young. And again, I didn't believe in it at that time. I just thought it was just a lot of fun. But the real start for me, I mean, start came fast forward again to 2005, which I was 12 years old. And 
one night I just happened to be scrolling through the channels. And, and this was back when, if you remember in the travel channel, used to air paranormal shows every Friday night. They didn't used to air them like every single day. Right. Which a lot of these paranormal shows that they used to air back in the, the day are, are really hard to find. Although, thankfully, somebody's been uploading a lot of the older ones on YouTube. So I'm glad somebody's archiving them. So that, that's amazing. But um, I just happened to scroll through the channels. And all of a sudden, there is this show that was on, which this was like the dominant paranormal show on the Travel Channel at that time, was uh, Most Haunted. And of course, again, since I was already big into horror films, I'm like, Oh, what's this? This looks really interesting. So I decided to check it out. And before I knew it, it was just like, it immediately, I mean, it just had my undivided attention. And when there were more shows that followed right after that one, that's when I kind of knew that, you know, this might be something I may actually enjoy and it might be something I may have potential for. So that was my first start when I got into the paranormal field. That's interesting. So, uh, looking back in all these years, what was your first investigation? How did that turn out? So my first investigation were actually kind of two of them, if you will. The first one was, was only a part-time one. By then I was only 14 years old. And when I mean part-time, you know, they only lasted for a couple of minutes, but there was a, um, we investigated this location that's called, I can't remember the name of it. I know it's a hotel. It was actually located in Colorado. No, not the Stanley Hotel. We're talking about a different hotel altogether. But I did visit it, that hotel at a young age, too. And um, let me think here. We, I, It was actually where I captured my very first piece of evidence. We, invest, we weren't really allowed to investigate the hotel because, you know, we were actually just visiting. But we were allowed to explore the library, which was a relatively small library. And... Um, there, as usual, most of the time, nothing really happened. And of course, our use of tools, we didn't have as many as we do now. So I just used a simple digital recorder. You know, we stayed there for a couple of minutes. And then right after that, we went back to the car and I, and I played the digital recorder. And I still have this recording to this day. I hear this disembodied voice, which to this day, I still cannot figure out exactly what it's saying but i knew that there was no one else that could have, the only other people that were with me that day when we went was my dad and my brother even though he wasn't much in, he's not into the paranormal like i am but he decided to follow us that day so i kind of thought to myself well if i'm gonna start be, truly becoming an investigator i'm off to a good start <laughs> right right but fast forwarding a few years later, the real first investigation, and, and I have said this story countless times. I know some people probably already know this story. Um, the first real investigation that I did, a full night one, that is, was when I had the opportunity to investigate Waverly Hill Sanatorium back when I was 17 years old in 2010. Funny thing was, this was literally a week after school started. So here I am starting senior year in high school. And now all of a sudden I'm going to one of the most haunted places in the country, if not the world. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that night I was there. I mean, I know a lot of people had different opinions on Waverly, but to me it was almost like as if Waverly had set the stage for activity to occur. Because by the time I was 17, yes, I had some experience, 
you know, I got to become very uh, educated and knowledgeable in the paranormal and history as well. And I started becoming more of a believer, but I needed to have my real first experience, like seeing an apparition before I became a full believer. And that's exactly what Waverly did. And um, what's actually kind of cool was, again, this we're talking 2010. This was back before he had Facebook Live. but So we didn't get to use Facebook to film it, but I did videotape it with an old-fashioned video camera my dad had, which did have night vision on it. And see, I've, I've always called it the lost paranormal tape because we only ever managed to see only about 10% of that footage. So it makes me wonder what else is still on that tape. We still have the tape, but it was like, it was like one of those little cassettes and, you know, right. no one really uses the really plays those anymore. So to this day, we're still trying to find some kind of machinery of how we could play it because I honestly believe that's, there had to have been something captured. The first, in fact, the first thing that took place when we were there, we went up to the fourth floor and we had a tour guide with us. You know what? I can't remember the guy's name, but he no longer works there. Uh, he, he left many years ago. But I still remember he said to me, you know, it's probably best if you have your flashlights off. So we turn off the flashlights, my dad and I, along with some of the other investigators that were there. And probably not a, I don't I don't think we have those lights off for no more than maybe two minutes when I start seeing this movement going on down the hallway and I'm thinking at first it's got to be some like somebody moving maybe there's there was a bright moon that night so I thought well maybe it's just the moonlight coming through and someone just casted a shadow little did I realize that in the hallway there was there was no way any light could get through so all of a sudden I start seeing these almost semi transparent figures going different directions you know some there are going to the right some are going to the left others are coming towards us others are coming away from us and i i have i officially realized i was looking at shadow people and in the in the tape i still remember you could hear this on the tape you hear me gasp but it wasn't a gasp of fright it was actually a gasp of excitement like it to me experiencing like full body apparitions in this case with shadow people it was just such an unbelievable feeling for me especially for a first timer because i really had to think to myself you know like am i am i really seeing this so it, it was it was just such i still consider one of my best investigations and to kind of put it to uh, a good way to because it's a lot it's a lot longer story but to put it to an end by around two or three o'clock in the morning most of the investigators had decided to leave. So next thing you know, I didn't even realize it, but aside from the tour guides that were there, it was really just me and my dad. We had the entire building of Waverly Hills Sanitarium all to ourselves. Wow. And what and what better way to, again, have a, the first full debut, full night paranormal investigation than not only being in one of the most haunted locations of the world, but have the entire building all to yourself. I don't think most people really get that opportunity unless you pay a hell of a lot of money for it. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So what other memorable investigations have you been on that you enjoyed? So one of them was recent, was very recent. It was actually last year enough at another former sanatorium. And that was Wildwood Sanitarium in uh, Salamanca, New York, which that one was also my first one ever. Jeremy went with us, too, on that. And 
there was just there was just something really odd about about um uh uh wildwood sorry i lost track for a second one of the things that occurred in that place was they have one of those um i guess i guess they had a gurney there which you know they used they originally uses the bot for the bodies to move around and jeremy and i did this but for me i took the opportunity to lie on the gurney and um what's her name um I can't remember her name, but the owner of Waverly, she had an SLS camera with her. Now, I know not too many people are crazy about the SLS, but I think what she captured was pretty much legit because I actually started feeling it. She said that there was like a small stick figure that kept appearing underneath the gurney that I was laying in. And one of the guys had told me, you know, Nick, put your put your arm around. Next thing you know, I start feeling this ice cold feeling in my hand, which not long after that, it started to take the shape of a human, like the feel of a human hand, almost, but a small one, almost like that of a child. And I'm thinking to myself, the hell is that? And they tell me there's something underneath you trying to reach out to you right now. And I'm like, wow. I think I actually am feeling it right now. Now, most people, when they feel something like that, understandably, they would take their hand back right away. But for me, I don't know what exactly it was, but I was able to put up, I think I was holding this hand literally for like two or three minutes, maybe even four. It was probably the longest paranormal experience I think I've ever had. And I know what some people are probably thinking, saying you're really brave for <laughs> lasting that long because most people would not want to basically be startled that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you like to take on investigation? What type of equipment do you like to use? So the equipment that I have is um, I pretty much have a combination of everything. However, that doesn't exact that doesn't mean that I'm going to be using everything. I, I just keep it all in a toolbox. But the one the the type of tools that I prefer using, and I know a lot of other investigators also using it, like using them too, is I also like using a lot of the old-fashioned paranormal pieces of equipment. You know, like the dowsing rods, the crystal, the pendulum, even the digital recorder. I still use one of those. Um I even just recently got an old tape recorder to give it a shot and uh, just tried it out. I mean, I haven't really been able to really uh, check to see if I've ever captured anything. But again, I, I, I prefer sometimes using the old fashioned stuff, but it, it works really well. Uh, there are times I'll sometimes use some of the modern stuff. Obviously, the stuff that I got, um, I only use. And again, I know not too many people are crazy about them. I only use like only one two maybe three of the apps that exist because the other ones i think are complete crap so uh there's only two or three that i think actually work at least in my opinion but other than that i usually like again as a first starter i prefer using the older tools that's interesting uh with your information and your knowledge what would you like to tell the people that just now start now into the field I would probably say, it, it, see, honestly, it's kind of a question I'm still trying to ask, answer myself. So I guess I'll have to try to answer it as, I mean, try to give out uh, the message as best I could. I would probably say start off small like I did because it took me years to get to where I'm at now. 
don't just jump into the fact like, oh, you know, you can you can get involved, and then all of a sudden you're a 100% ghost hunter. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's just like getting involved in anything else. It takes years of practice and also, well, maybe I wouldn't necessarily say years of practice. I know some people can go quicker than others, but it might be for others, though, so maybe that's fair. But it takes time of practice, experience, and it's also it's also a learning experience as well. It's really uh, it's it's this is one of those classic examples. Like if this is something that you actually enjoy doing, I would say definitely go for it. If you think that you uh, have enough strength and uh, you're not scared enough, to, <laughs> I guess um, to do it. I mean, give it a shot. But like I said, it does take it does take a while to rise through the ranks, if you will. So with with your experience and your investigations, looking back, what would you tell somebody about the afterlife and, you know, ghost investigation? Oh, you mean like, uh, you know, what what else is beyond like yes. this realm? Right. So I honestly believe that. And, and I know, again, I know I'm probably not the first to have said this. Uh <laughs> I honestly believe that there definitely is something far out in the afterlife. Like, even though everybody always says that once, once you're dead, that's pretty much it. That's the end of you. I honestly don't really, I mean, it may be the end in this physical world, but when we die, I think it's really the beginning of something else for a human soul, if you will. Um, exactly what that could be. I'm not entire, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll ever know until, you know, our time has come. So, but I definitely believe that it could be the beginning of a new life, for lack of a better term, elsewhere. And uh, it might be something also, too, beyond the laws of, you know, physics and also, like, you know, what, with, what, with what we are right now. Um, it, it, it's kind of hard to say, but it's the best, like, best one I could really come up with. Oh, that's pretty good. So what would you tell people, you know, about the community? What would you like to see change in the ghost environment in the community? That's a really good question, actually. I would probably say um, one change is, uh, well, for starters, because we've been seeing this a lot in the paranormal. I'm not saying that it's like this for all the groups and investigators, I'm not trying to say that at all. Um, one thing for sure is to like not try to basically make this something like everybody wants to be famous out of it because doing something like that is only just going to draw negative attention. You know, don't you know, don't do it with the intention of thinking that you know you're going to get famous out of it because for the most part that doesn't really work out. Do it because you enjoy it. You know, and also and even if you do have people who like watching. That means you got other people out there who enjoy the same thing that you do. So, no, it's not an act of fame or whatever. It's just they're enjoying seeing you do the same thing, especially if you, you know, especially if you live in another in another state or another country or another continent overall. I mean, it's just do it if you enjoy it. Um, as far as anything else. Honestly, I really don't see too much, but I just, I, I guess really, uh, 
just just invest investigate the best you can you know just just uh and also of course you know definitely <laughs> sorry again it's it's just uh again i i try to come up with the best answers for it i guess also just just don't try to fake the evidence <laughs> right no i totally agree you know and you know, I, I always tell people on investigations, it's, it's not like a switch where you can turn it on or off, right? Uh, it, you know, and people unfortunately see things on TV and they're like, <gasps> and like, oh, you know, and ghost investigations, you know, or most of the time is pretty much boring. And exactly, uh, you got a lot of downtime. And, I basically. Uh, I literally have told people, I mean, I, I don't try to discourage people who want to try to do ghost hunting, but when they get the idea that, you know, they watch a lot of these paranormal shows and all this stuff is going crazy. And I get, I have said this numerous times, a lot of people fail to realize, like when you watch a lot of these investigations, it almost looks like there's something that's going on every five minutes. Like someone's hearing something or they see something. Well, here's just the reality. Basically, they may have they may have cap they may have truly captured, you know, paranormal evidence, but that was definitely not within five minutes of each other. Probably every five hours, if any, right. and sometimes even longer. So I always would tell a lot of people that, you know, as again, not as a way to discourage, but I'm I'm just telling the truth and the reality of it. I just tell them. 90% of paranormal investigating is usually boring. You go to these places, you investigate, you stay up all night long, and for the most part, nothing happens. Yeah, what what do you think about seeing these people all the time saying that they're always demons in these houses and and so forth and how, I, how what do you think about that? See, I'm ashamed to even say it. Years ago, I actually did believe it. But now with a lot more uh, education and knowledge about it. I, I just find a lot of it as bull, you know, unless like it's, unless this is truly real, true proof that it is demonic. I'm not actually, I'm not going to buy it. I, in fact, out of all the investigations that I've done in the 18 years that I've been in this field, I have only really have ever had, I mean, and most groups say, most groups will tell you like who are trying to be legit they'll tell you they've never really had any experience with demonic entities at all. Now I'm not trying to be above, but out of all the years that I've been doing this, I've only have really ever had one, maybe two at the most that I could say were truly demonic related. That's how rare it is. And, uh, and, and I, and I'll be honest with you when you do truly encounter demonic entities, like the real thing, it's not really something to be proud about, you know, because I'll, I'll, I'll even say it right now. Several years ago, I never took part in it, but I actually witnessed a possession as well as an exorcism, an unauthorized exorcism. Again, I never took part in it. I just, even I knew this was going way too far. It was getting way too dangerous. We were not authorized to do so. And, but, I, but during that time, when you see somebody possessed and you see that angry expression they have and you see those eyes turn black, 
I mean, not trying to talk like Quinn from Jaws, but right. when, when they turn, when those eyes turn black, they're just lifeless eyes. You know, they don't ever appear to be living, but once those eyes roll over white and they come back and they are like fully, almost fully black, it changes your, it changes your view forever. You never forget that. So as far as I'm concerned, not only do I think a lot of that is complete bull, but when you actually experience the real thing, it's it's really nothing to be proud about. It's I don't know why <clears throat> I don't know why people think it's awesome, you know, because it's it, it truly is a terrifying experience. Re, you know, no doubt make no mistake about it. Besides that, uh what's been most uh terrifying or scariest experience that you had investigating? Well, that was one of them. That was the first laser that scared me, although the most recent one, it didn't scare me, but it was still it was still terrifying regardless because we never saw this coming. This actually occurred, believe it or not, two months ago. I told the story on a few shows, and even when I still tell it now, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, I don't know if you remember when, when we, if you ever saw when I went out to uh, Canyon City, Colorado with Jeremy and Adrian and some of the others. We were investigating this holy uh, something called the Holy Cross Abbey, which is uh, kind of close to the mountainside of, of Canyon City. It's uh, not not too far from Colorado Springs, about an hour or two from Colorado Springs, I believe. And um, the Abbey, which I did a show on, Nick Files. You know, it was originally a church. It was also a, a school for for boys. It was actually one of the first ever to uh, uh, draw different kids from around different countries. So in spite of its positive, you know, relatively positive history, something else, you know, there's a lot of paranormal activity, but something even darker is said to be rumored to haunt this cat, uh, this, this Abbey. So we were doing the investigation and um, we were sitting in the chapel and, uh, and today also too, to just throw this out, they no longer use it as an actual Abbey, but they use it for investigations and a historical site. So we're sitting in the Abbey. And all of a sudden, I start feeling this real terrible stabbing pain in my stomach. It was like something like I've never experienced before. I knew it was not something that I ate because this was hours after I had eaten. So I knew for a fact I was not having some stomach virus. The, the, the best way I can really describe this feeling, it just felt like as if something had grabbed hold of my stomach and just twisted it you know, as hard as they could. And I had to call over one of the other investigators that was there, Jan, and I said, I'm not feeling so good. I feel like something's grabbing me. So she came over and basically kind of put this healing energy on me. So not long after that, I was okay. And then I walked up to the church, I mean, to the to the balcony or the where the choir area was. Very briefly, I did see a, 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 a almost like half of a whitish shadow figure. I couldn't really see very many details, but it was it was quick. I was up there for a few minutes, and then <clears throat> I went back downstairs, and I decided, you know, to sit back down because, you know, I was on my feet for a while. In fact, I say, sat in the same spot, and then all of a sudden, I started feeling that stomach pain yet again. But this time, it was a lot more extreme. So I had to call Jan over that this was happening again, and they really had to, like, you know, put some type of energy of protection on me. And again, I don't want to say it was demonic, 
but I know one thing for sure was that right after she put the protection of energy around me, they 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 had to put holy water on me. I mean, they put it on my forehead, they put it on my shoulders, my back. After about an hour after the supposed attack that I had, that's when this thing decided to actually show itself to me. We were standing, it was either the second or third floor. We had the lights off except for the flashlight. And Jan points down the hallway saying, you know, look down there. And I look down the hallway and I see two or three figures that are stand, that are kind of moving about. One was a small figure, which I assumed was one of the kids. The other was a female one, which had like a nun kind of look to it. And the third might have been a male. But the next thing I knew, all of a sudden, a fourth figure showed up. And whatever this was seemed to have scared off the other three entities because they vanished as soon as they as this thing appeared. And the next thing you know, I think next thing I know, I saw this huge, tall, dark figure standing in the hallway. The figure looked humanoid, but I knew but it was definitely not a human being. Oh, now, wow. this thing, I mean, it was massive. I mean, I'm I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty big guy myself. I'm about six one or six two. This thing, on the other hand, it looked like it had to have been well over seven and a half to eight feet tall. So uh, this, I was dwarfed by this thing. This thing was massive. Even though it was way further down the hallway, I knew it was bigger than me. Its body was, it, it was completely black. There were no features at all, but I could still see that its body was completely emaciated, almost like it hadn't eaten in some time. Its head was, it was oval shaped. So I could say it was completely bald. But the one thing that really bothered me, and I'm glad I knew about this, this is what, because this actually is, I was, I was well aware of what this was. The one thing that I'll, I'll never forget was when I saw its hands. It had these huge, basically long claws, rake-like claws on the ends of its fingers, and it, it was just so weird. I mean, it 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 just turned, it just stood there. It looked at it looked at me, and then it looked back at the group for a second. And then it turned back its attention towards me, and next thing you know, it, it was gone. So what I believe what I saw because Adrian had told us that in addition to the spirits that haunt this place. I was also told that apparently there's a, a creature of some sort that exists, a cryptid, if you will, and she believed it was the uh, something known as the rake. And oh, what I made, wow. what I believe I saw that night was the rake, face to face. Wow. So it was. I I I did. I mean, I was I was in shock when I saw. I, that was the first reaction. Was I was in shock. Never seen anything like that before of course never heard of you know having a physical you know not only a physical but a visual encounter of this thing but i think what was more disturbing more than anything else was after the attack and after i saw this i started having these i guess you can call recap visions i even had a dream about it later that night when i went to bed it was like a recap of what happened to me in the church in the chapel and it was like it was like as if I was watching it from a TV. I could see myself feeling that again when I was experiencing that pain, but this time I could actually see something doing this this attack on me. It was that same figure that I saw, and it was literally bent down. It was literally bent down right in front, and it was using its long claws 
like grabbing hold of my stomach. That's where the stomach pain was coming from. The figure looked exactly the same as I actually saw in reality, but there was a, a frightening addition compared to what I saw. This time, it had glowing red eyes. And when it grabbed my stomach, I could actually see in this recap vision that even though it was dark inside, I could see the expression on this thing's change into this grin, almost like it was taking pleasure in my torment. And as soon as Jan had come in to basically save me, if you will, this thing backed away and just jumped back into the darkness and it was gone. So never had I ever had I had an experience, you know, first off that terrifying, but again, I was fortunate enough not to show any kind of fear, but that was unlike anything that I've ever seen or encountered in the 18 years I've been doing this. Yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. I mean, I, I would have been throwing holy water everywhere <laughs> and you'd have been wet. So, and I can promise you that. Uh, do you all do protections before and after investigations? We do. Um, we also do them sometimes even when we're on break because you never know when, you know, you'll need it the most. And that's basically, and that's basically with, that's basically what happened with me after the attack. So, cause like I said, they did throw holy water on me to make sure that the, whatever this thing was, whether it was the rake or something else, we were not going to let this thing attach itself to me. I was even later told that if, the rake or whatever this thing was, it truly was a negative entity. And apparently um, this thing, I guess I, as hard as it's going to sound to believe this thing, I not only want to attach itself to me, but I think it actually wanted to try to take possession of me because I communicated and I encountered this entity and eventually make me do terrible things. Uh, you know, there, there was, e there was even some, speculation that this thing wanted to abduct me basically so i know it sounds crazy i know it does but that is something that i've never had experience and uh it's again not something really to be proud about so i'm not scared about it at all but again it's truly something that i will never ever ever forget no definitely not definitely not uh how do you what would you tell people how to deal with angry spirits and demonic items or spirits when you're investigating. What, what are your thoughts on how to deal with them? So as far as like angry spirits, I'll start off with that. Cause you know, there are, that's, that's one of the things some people get mixed up. They say demons, but they're probably most likely just angry spirits who are angry people in life. Uh, for starters, you definitely want to go in for, with complete respect, regardless of who they are. Um, even if they were bad people in life, you still have to give respect regardless. Cause all you're going to do all the stuff about saying that you, cause there are investigators that I know do this. I don't do it, but I know some investigators and other newcomers like to try to provoke, do not provoke because that can get very dangerous. I've, I know paranormal con on camera has shown a few demonstrations of it. I've, I've witnessed it myself. Uh, you kind of pay the ultimate price when when you do something. So always go in with a complete respect. And as far as um, anything demonic related, like if it's items or anything, you definitely want to get some kind of protection uh, when you get involved. Because <laughs> after when I had my experience, you know, when I witnessed it a couple years ago, I 
I, I basically really had to start going, I'm not exaggerating, but I had to start going to church more often, you know, just to get some type of protection protection from, because I, I definitely did fear that this thing was going to try to get its revenge on us. So, I yep, holy water. I, in fact, I know you can't see it, but just across, because I'm in my office slash bedroom, I have a bottle of holy water uh, right near me. And a crucifix, I keep carrying with that too. So I carry a lot of the, I carry a lot of that stuff too with the investigations. When people say, "What do you need it for?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, just a little something in case of emergency." <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. I throw in a lot a lot of holy water in my studio, especially on my dolls at times during my lives. I've yeah. done it before. So, but uh, yeah. Uh, so, what about when you have possibly demonic spirits? What do you do? Well, I can't really, I can't really give a full correct answer on it. But I'll, I'll just say this: I would probably say, definitely have somebody who is, you know, I would first off say have somebody involved from the church or the ministry, you know, who does have the authority to perform, you know. Even if it's just a blessing, you know, definitely have somebody involved in the church. Because if you do it on your own, like these people did when I witnessed it, you're really in trouble then. Because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're messing with. And uh, it, it, it could, I, I've always heard, exorcisms in particular, especially for the possessed person, it can be very painful. Or even worse, it can be fatal. I mean, if you look at some of the past historic exorcisms where people actually died from it and a lot of these priests ended up going to jail or prison for murder i mean it's still something that kind of echoes to this day you know it's a very controversial thing so you you just got to be real careful when you're encountering the demonic especially if somebody's possessed um but i also would probably say too you know if you have some type of like you know kind of the protective gear i would also say certainly give it to the people who are who are um, who are being affected, and also, you know, you always hear a lot with the demonic. They'll try to also imitate voices and stuff, or you know, try to attack. Because I've also learned the demonic and the diabolical will unleash these physical, mental, emotional, even vocal attacks on the investigators to uh, to present fear, to present, I mean, uh, to create tension, to create the idea and understanding that it's a control and that you have no right to be there and it will do to you exactly what it's been doing to the person or the family. So in a diabolical case, yes, it's true. Anyone that goes into that house is in danger. So that's why you really got to have a lot of the knowledge and experience to really know what you're dealing with. So I, I would just simply say, just proceed with extreme caution, but also have know what you're dealing with. That's the best I can really put it. Now, do you do a lot of residential investigations or a lot of big uh, locations? So I've never, so I've only done a few residential locations. It's not that I don't want to do them. It's just that I don't get called very often. Um, I actually do have a residential that is coming up in a couple of weeks. I, I would have loved to have done it during the month of October, but the people who invited me, believe it or not, they're actually horror film hosts of a show. Not of a podcast, but they do a, a show. And um, not necessarily is it anything bad 
or negative that's 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 occurring in their house they just want us to come out and investigate you know just to see what what they're dealing with and i you know even if it's even if it's for a positive case i'm willing to do that too I, i'm not just gonna you know just center on just the the negative ones if people want you have you know call us and say hey we got something going on it's not anything dangerous but we'd like for you guys to check it out you know would you be able to, I, i'm not gonna say no i'll, I'll do it anyway so <clears throat> in, in the years that i've been doing this I mean, as far as residentials, I've only really have done just a couple of them. I think I think I've only ever done five or six of them. Well, soon to be five or six when I go to this next one. And um, but yeah, aside from the residentials, I, I investigate a lot of the big places as well as also a lot of the locations that don't really get a lot of attention, as you see, because there are so many other haunted and historic locations out there that. You know, I think we could all we could all, we could agree. There's a lot of them out there that most of us probably don't even know about. Yeah, and that's, that's so that's kind of my job too. Is I'm not trying to get these shows, these locations, of course, to be on TV. I'm just thinking that you know I'm really surprised most people never investigated this place. So let's give some exposure to it, and that might be another place a lot you know investigators and groups may want to check out. That's true. So when you go to these residentials. And, and they reach out to you, uh, how do you handle them and how do you talk to them about what you get as evidence? So the way how I kind of see it, when we go in, we, we kind of just basically get right down to business. You know, I start, we start asking the questions. See, what I love about the paranormal field, and in fact, Ed Warren once said this in an interview before he passed away. When we go to these residentials and we do these investigations, as paranormal investigators, we're actually kind of like the police, if you kind of look at it, because very much like true law enforcement officers where they go out, investigate, try to get the evidence, exactly the same way that, um, you know, us investigators do. It's like we're checking out a crime scene. So, and, and of course, you question people saying, okay, can you tell me exactly, you know, I mean, I would even say, I know we probably talked on the phone or you probably emailed me or Facebooked me, but can you do a little recap of what's been going on and has anything else been occurring? And we'll even try to do like a walk around the house. See, one of, I actually got, I know a lot of groups do that, but for me, I actually got inspired by that, believe it or not, by Steve Deshavi of the Dead Files, where they walk around the house, you know, to talk about certain experiences that the tenants have been having you know, certain uh, experiences. I've liked a lot. I, I've always admired the way how Steve has done it. So I've kind of taken a lot of that um, influence and have done the same thing. I'll question very much like he does, not trying to be him, just trying to do it in a, in a professional way. And, um, you know, and, and then after when we're done, we'll usually try, I'll usually say, okay, so here's how things are going to work. I have all the equipment here. I cannot guarantee, I, I always will say that the first thing I'll say is I definitely cannot say that with all this stuff that I got here, especially the cameras or recorders, that I'm going to be able to capture something on video or on a recorder. It is, that's, it's basically the holy grail, if you will. I know we're always trying to get the best evidence, but that's not what my intention is. It's I'm, I'm just that kind of investigator who thinks, whatever happens happens and if i get it great if i didn't well i may have not captured it but now we know that this place is definitely a haunted location so 
yeah, and I actually I was gonna say I was gonna answer that question. I've been seeing these uh questions from Penny. Yeah, Penny, I'm from I'm from Illinois, as you can see. I live in Chicago. So um yeah, Illinois is full of Okay, I'm just going to say this. Illinois is full of a lot of freaky stuff, but I think Chicago is a really haunted city. But I honestly believe southern Illinois is even more haunted than up here. No doubt about it. So, so yeah, I just try to come in and just tell them, you know, this is what you'll probably be expecting. I mean, just don't expect I'm going to have, like, the best video or photograph or recording ever of a spirit. So that that's how I usually do it. What do you think about these people that tell homeowners, you got demons? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I would probably say for that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, because, again, 99, 90, well, like I said, after with my experience, 97%, it's not going to be demonic. I would probably say to them, all right, so just so you know, first off, with what you have in this house, there are no demons. So you don't have to worry about that. I know you probably thought they were demons, but after with what, you know, whatever evidence or experience or what I got from the ghost box session, it's not a demonic entity that you're dealing with. You're probably just dealing with a very angry spirit. And it may sound, you have to remember when you get an EVP or when you go through the ghost box session, the voice will sound inhuman. It does make like an unearthly type sound sometimes, like when they speak. That doesn't mean fully that it's still a demonic spirit. That's just how they probably sound. So, um, and and as far as the smell, I would not say either that it's demonic either. I mean, I know there's a few cases where they have, have had Nick, that. I got to say to Penny Van, I had people call me at 1 o'clock in the morning. Oh, Grizzly, I got demons. Oh, my I God. <laughs> Somebody's been to my house. They tell me I got demons. I'm like, calm down. How do you exactly. know you got demons? Are you puking green stuff? Is your head spinning? Is yeah. crosses on fire? You know, calm down. I mean, you know, and, and they have people come to their house and they're like, man, you got demons. And I'm like, hold, hold up. Who'd you have come over? That's right. Man, you watch too much TV. Come relax. Hold up. Let's just take a breath for a minute. <laughs> yes, you know, Penny Van. I, people call me. I'm telling you. Yes. That just happened. That actually just happened to me a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is, of course, but somebody had a, a friend of mine had reached out to me, and um, they she he told me that he had a friend of his who was not feeling like her normal self. And he, she, he claimed that she was going through some kind of demonic possession. As soon as he said those words, I was like, done. I, I was like, because as soon as you hear that, it's just, and then I later found out that it was not paranormal at all. This person that supposedly was having demonic possession was having an issue with drugs. That's the other thing, too, some people fail to realize that when it comes to these so-called demonic possessions, even the movie The Exorcist had even made a reference to it. Um, the young priest, when when uh, the uh, character that plays Linda Blair, uh, uh, the mother, asks you, say, well, how can you get an exorcism? And the priest goes saying, well, the first thing, or how do you get an exorcism or prove possession? I just this is the this is the exact line for the movie, and it's kind of true at the same time. Saying, "Well, the first thing you want to do 
is get them into a time machine and take them back to the 16th century because it just doesn't happen anymore. You know, with what we got today, you know, there's people who have mental health, mental diseases, you know, drug, drug, you know, uh, drug, um, uh, I, I can't even think of the word, but you know, uh, know, you know what, what I mean. About. Yeah. Yeah. Drug addiction. There we go. That's what it was. Drug addiction. And of course there's like certain, you got, you know, uh, what, what else? Schizophrenia, uh, right. split personality or, or, you know, multiple personality disorder that can sometimes come out as accidental demonic possession, as I would call it. Um, you know, even, you know, there, there's a, there is a lot of, there's just a lot of mental illnesses and, and, uh, you know, addictions and even illnesses that are sometimes mistaken for demonic possession. And that's what some people don't seem to realize is that this so-called person who believes is truly possessed or is somebody else, they might just have a mental issue. Oh, that's right. And that lady was like, good crazy, I got They they wanted me to overnight a spiritual warfare kit with eight bottles of holy water. And I'm like, that's not what you need. I'm not taking your money. She's like, give it to me. I need it. I was talking about demons. Help me. I'm like, I'm going to help you calm down. It's not in the world. Let's pray. That's exactly what what I've been doing. And it's like, my God. She's like, are you making fun of me? I'm like, no. I'm like, I, if you had demons, I would tell you you got demons. You don't have demons. You exactly. keep saying demons, you're gonna have demons. You don't have demons. You got somebody don't know what they're doing. Well, how do you know? Because I say I know, I know. I'm telling you, is your crucifix is on the wall on fire? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. Are they spinning? No. Okay. Stuff flying off your shelves? No. Okay. We're we're good. <laughs> Do you hear any nasty EVPs? What are those? There, that's what I'm talking about. I still want that warfare kit and eight bottles of holy water. No, you don't need it. My lord. I you know, and again, if you find even if you find out that the house is truly haunted, that doesn't mean it's a demon. If someone if someone said, like, you know, a provocative term or somebody you got an EVP with somebody swearing at you, that doesn't mean again that it's a demon. You prior just living in the house of some jerk that probably lived there. And again, they're just still acting like a jerk after death. So if somebody called, you know, that's just, that's just who they are, you know, after life. So, I mean, after, after death. So even if they truly get some kind of activity, it's not, oh, it's not truly demonic. It's just, it's just an absolute jerk who died, who may have lived in that house. That is correct. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. I got some pretty powerful prayers that can fight off some pretty powerful hexes, curses, whatever you want to call it. So I'm not afraid. But this woman had some investigators over at her house, and my and it just and, oh, took me an hour and a half to get her to calm down. She wanted me to send her. I mean, I a whole bunch of stuff she didn't need and i'm i'm not gonna sell her stuff she doesn't need you know i'm not that guy you know i'm not making money off this stuff it's just you don't you don't need it you know exactly but i got her calmed down and you know what i got her connected with kelly joe 
and everything went fine. And, and now she's upset with the paranormal group and that's not my problem. You know, people need to go in there and when they, when they get evidence, they need to, you know, just play the evidence and not elaborate and no, Oh, did you hear that? That's yeah. evil. That's evil. It's a demon. Yes. <laughs> Somebody flushed the commode. That's water. We hear water in the walls. Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm talking about. Well, you know? Well, and, you know, I'll even put it this way. After with what I experienced at the Holy Cross Abbey two months ago, yeah, they really do. They do get worked up, nine balls. You're right. They really do. But, you know, what I was going to say was, after with what I experienced at Holy Cross with this creature, you notice, by the way, that story I was just telling you, and, I, and even during that entire time that we were there, not one time did we ever use the word demon. See, another thing that I believe is, you know, there's there are different, I, I believe there are different paranormal entities, not just demons. I mean, you got your typical ghosts, you got shadow people, you got poltergeists, and of course, demons, in a rare case, that is. Right, but right. I honestly believe that there are other groups or, or not not species, but different groups of different paranormal entities that I think we often ignore for the most part. So in this case, with what I experienced, put it this way. This entity that I saw, I think some people would immediately say it's a demon. Just because it, you also, when you do encounter something in human, just because it's it doesn't have a human aspect to it, or it doesn't look human at all, that still doesn't mean that it's demonic. It could just be a different type of entity. And in this right. case, with whatever this was, if it truly was the rake, what I saw, I think, was more of a cryptid more than anything else. It may have had supernatural abilities, but I do not think in any way, shape, or form that it was demonic. I still think it was right. definitely a negative entity. It definitely had bad intentions, but... No way I still believe I I am absolutely 100 percent positive this was not a demon. It was a it was definitely a cryptid. Right. Yeah, Irene. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. I bought holy water offline years ago and used it on my ex-wife, and it didn't work. And I asked for a <laughs> refund. So yeah, I, I don't buy it online, ladies and gentlemen. It's tap water. So but yeah, and I agree with uh, Penny Van and and uh, yeah. Boss. They are rare, you know. You do encounter mad or evil spirits, you know, because they're mad. I mean, you come in the house, you provoke them. They are going to get upset, you know. So, but you know, it it's interesting to see your perspective on things because everybody has their own little spin. And it's nice to have you on the show, you know, because I have Jeremy on the show from time to time. But if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how can they contact you? So I'm, I know I said earlier I'm, I'm on a couple of different networks. But if you want to reach out to me, I do have a Facebook and YouTube account. Um, I, if you want to reach me through Facebook, uh, it's exactly as it says on my name. Just type in Nick Mulay. I'll be on Facebook. And uh, I mean, just exactly the same, the same as you see it here. So you can find me there. And also it's the same on YouTube, which, by the way, I actually... In addition to investigating, investigating, I also do a number of uh, audiobooks, scary stories audiobooks, and I have a brand new one that's going to be coming out hopefully within the next week or so. 
uh, depending if I get all the volunteers' stories in time. I'm going to try to get a release hopefully by Halloween. But if you also want to check out the other sh- the, the other shows that I do, it's also on this network, same network here as Grizzly, on the Things Network, and uh, the other networks I'm a part of, in case you want to check, which, again, another one that Grizzly is also a part of. I'm also on uh, Temple of Phoenix Rising Entertainment, Skeleton Key Network, BB3 TV, Pack Channel, uh, Simply Spooky Network, RU Media Network, Perry Unity uh, Network, and also I'm on uh, It's Haunted Network. So I'm on nine different paranormal networks. So, um, yeah, if you guys want to check out the shows, that's where you can find me. And uh, and also for things that work, we're up, we're on a couple different platforms. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, and real soon, hopefully in the near future, we'll also be on uh, Rumble and eventually TikTok. So, awesome. you know, we're I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you sure are, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, and I look forward to our next show together, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I didn't really have much else going on tonight, so I really appreciate you having me on and can't wait to do it again real soon. Yeah, and we'll see you on the next show. And don't forget our next show tonight at 9 o'clock tonight. And that footage I got out in the woods, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to believe what I got on trail cam. You tell me what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So uh, I'll let the audience weigh in on the footage. So it is very interesting. So I'm going to reveal it live again. So, yeah. So take care. Thanks, Nick. We'll see you in the next round. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Good night. (laughs) 